So why did you take the damn towel off the wall? I may or may not have gotten frustrated during something. Uh, Lighting the white may or may not be on stream. Uh, go watch last Monday's show if you're curious. But may I got may frustrated. Not. I may have or may not have attempted to wave the white flag. However, the bastard Tyler Isley um, decided <laughs> to. Um, Who's not I'd here be, with us today? To just fit him, by the way, I'd be saying this if he was here, by the way. I know. <laughs> um, uh, vetoed my surrender. So, uh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> So brutal okay. slaughter. It was a live look at the Alamo. Anyways, um, so it's it's not it's not the uh, it wasn't because of the cheating allegations that you're like I can't support this team anymore. No, <laughs> I, okay. I chose those this... a few. I chose those years ago, and uh, mistakes were made then. And unfortunately, I too loyal. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not a bad thing. Just wanted to make sure that we set the record straight. Now, you said you had a surprise for me to start this Easter show? Yeah. Um, so, I was scrolling through Facebook while we were talking about stuff to do, seeing if I saw anything on there. And this article from Motor Trend pops up. Okay. What kind of car is Lightning McQueen from the movie Cars? Yeah. By the way, for point of reference, Cars is probably the most quoted movie in all our group chats. Cinematic masterpiece right there. Yes. I'm telling you. Like, it, it's one of, collective collectively, it's become one of Loudmouth's favorites. Well, um, we just thought that the king should finish his last race. Gets you every time. Mm -hmm. So, here's what a lot of fans speculate. There's four options. Okay. So, there's the Gen 4 NASCAR. I will put that on camera mm -hmm. for reference. Yeah. Similar to Dale's car? Yes, that actually was from the... 98 Daytona 500 when Dale won. That was the paint okay. scheme and everything. Cool. Sorry, camera started to autofocus. <laughs> um, I mean, then I didn't even notice. So yeah. Option number two, the Chevrolet Corvette C6 dot R. That's a nice one. That does kind of look a little bit like light. I, I definitely see that. Mm -hmm. The NASCAR COT car. Okay. Which is that one. But ugly. Not seeing it as much, but it's but, I can understand. Yeah. Also in 2006, that car wasn't around. And mm -hmm. so a lot of people noticed in Cars 2, by the way, worst one of the bunch. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's still you a mean, good movie. You mean you don't like uh, Wasabi or, or Mater? I, I did it enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I'm not going to sit here and say it's an awful film. I've seen worse. Yeah, um, don't, slam, don't slander the Cars franchise, man. 
it's still a good movie. It's just the weakest of the three, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. No, no question about that. Uh, anyways, the Ford GT40. Ooh, okay. The, the car from Ford versus Ferrari, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are kind of the four that they speculate. All right. Um, as kind of a combo of them. And it's like, you know what? It makes sense, um, is what Motor Trend came to in the article. I lean most towards the Corvette. Like, that's what I see the most. I just yeah. thought that was interesting. And uh, I wanted to show some love to a great cinematic masterpiece that is the Cars universe. Yeah, not sure what that has to do with college football or Easter, but... Uh, I, I mean, all right. But I, yeah, I was giving you the final word I, there. I, I just was curious on your thoughts as well. Like, I, I'm guessing you're like me and lean more towards the Corvette. Yeah, I think it's a Corvette. If if I had to guess, I mean, I like I said, the the second option looks at least visually the closest. But it, it all depends on kind of what the 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 horsepower and the engine inside. Yeah, no, like it's it was just interesting. Like I, we typically do these just for kicks and giggles. So I thought, why yeah. not? Swing and a miss. That's a good win. There's a lot of people. It's like Woodstock, except everybody's got their clothes on. Sixty-nine. Office. He was giving them the business. These people don't give you. Love you, honey. And welcome, Loudmouth CFB. We are here on a Sunday. Hi, Cam. We don't have Tyler. It's Easter. So that might have inspired uh, one of the things that we'll be talking about in this yeah. edition of the show. But Cam, I Happy know you're Easter to everyone. Happy Easter to you, my friend. And mm -hmm. obviously uh, I know that you are not, not doing anything spec special, but you were able to hop on for the show. And so mm -hmm. that's special enough to me. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I'm happy to spend an Easter money Easter morning with you talking a little college football. Absolutely, yeah. Well, let's dive on into uh, the little bit of news that we've got. There's not a whole lot, but we'll be able to, you know, kind of get into our more interesting topics a little bit quicker as a result. But I did see this, and I thought this was interesting, Cam. So uh, if you are not familiar, there is a college football team in this in the country of Canada. Uh, well, there's there a few different there, ones. There was at least uh, the only NCAA football team in Canada is disbanding its program. It's at the Division Two level. It's Simon Fraser. Um, so this this is a team that played in the Great Northwest Athletic Conference or the GNAC back mm -hmm. uh, until the 2021 season uh, when the GNAC stopped sponsoring football. And so last year, and and this is something Cam that is a little bit closer to me having been in division two football 
you know, all my time in college. Now that yeah. we've gone like up to the FCS ser- level. Yeah, and if memory serves correct, they were actually pretty decent at the Division Two level. Like again, you'll Simon be Frazier. Yeah. Like you'll I, be more in tune with that than I am. Like I only really follow I, I loosely followed one of the schools in Colorado at the D two level for a couple of years because a buddy of mine from back home is School of Mines, Pueblo. It was um it was Western State. Uh, I know Western State. Yeah. He he played on the team for a couple of years, so I thought that's awesome. And, and then as we became closer, of course, go Lions. Go Lions, hell yeah. But so Simon Frazier was in the GNAC until the 2021 season, after which the um, the the conference stopped sponsoring football. So last year, uh, the Red Leafs, which is their their name. You can make jokes you want, but um, last year the Red Leafs had to become a football-only member of the Lone Star Conference, which, like I said, I'm very familiar with because from the time that it was founded until this past football season, the uh, a Commerce Lions were a founding member and one of the only fa- remaining members originally from the Lone Star Conference Uh on uh, still in that conference until they left for the division one rank. So, um, so we didn't get Simon Frazier uh, as a conference foe, but we did see them, I believe in a non-conference game once upon a time. I think they came here. If I'm not mistaken, I'd have, I'd have to go back and double check, but anyway, so they were playing teams primarily from Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then back in February, the Lone Star did not renew their relationship with say, uh, with with uh, Simon Fraser. So, um, shame. yeah, I know. So they're disbanding the program. It says this is a difficult decision, not one taken lightly. The president said in a statement, with the recent announcement that the team has not been invited to continue in the Lone Star Conference, we do not have a conference to play in beginning in 2024. The ongoing uncertainty creates an unacceptable experience for students. The university has carefully considered all available options. And as a leadership team, we concluded that football is no longer a feasible sport for SFU. So Simon Fraser launched football back in 1965, competed at the NAIA level until the start of the 2000s. In 2001, it transitioned um, from American football to Canadian football. Uh, which lasted for about seven or eight years, and then they switched back to the American version and moved up to the Division II program. Uh, as a Division II school, it compiled an 18-99 and 99 record and failed to win more than one game in any of its final six seasons. They will continue to sponsor other Division II sports, though. Uh, but college football, you know, there is still – in Japan, at least, there's still football. There's, there's, you know, obviously Canadian yeah. football will continue, but no. I was going to say CFA sponsored schools. Whatever the college sports federation in Canada is, still sponsors Canadian football. So it's yeah. maybe they'll transition to that. I know that that might be a rough one, just since 
I I do enjoy following the Canadian Football League, and yeah, they're um, they're definitely a little different than American football. So oh, abs- absolutely, be they're, interesting they are. to see what happens there. Yeah, you're and not it, wrong. It's sad, but at the same time, even if they would have kept the relationship with the Lone Star Conference, I don't know how feasible it would have been. Just be. Because of all the traveling expenditures, well, yeah, Texas absolutely, is not exactly close to Canada. <laughs> no, you're you're talking about this is a school in Simon Fraser that's 140 miles north of Seattle. So that's about you've got to go all the way from Texas to Seattle. Yeah, which you've got to go all the way from Texas to Seattle, which is not a you know an, a a short flight even. I mean, I still think it's about five or six hour flight from. Um, even with the the time, you know, getting the time back that you're going to get, the um, and then your airport is probably either George Bush or no, or no, not Bush. Um, Bush is in Houston. Yeah. Uh, it depends on which. It depends on where you are BFW in Texas. Because I mean, or, yeah. If if you're if you so if you're let's so remembering what I remember about the the Lone Star Conference. If you're a UT Permian base and you're flying out of, uh, you're probably going to have to head go out to El Paso um, and then get a connecting flight to Denver or Phoenix and go up to Seattle that way, uh, which you would know all about stuff like that. Um, if you are for their state, much better airport. Yeah. Anyways, I, <laughs> um, if you're a West Texas A&M, for instance, you're you're probably you're probably going to fly out of Lubbock or Amarillo. Uh, somewhere mm-hmm. in that range, um, and and also have to connect. Um, probably you might have to, That's a bigger airport. Yeah, you probably honestly you might have to fly from Amarillo or Lubbock to DFW and then up to Seattle. I mean, it's I'm you're, I'm actually thinking about it, and I think Odessa's might be even bigger than Lubbock. Lubbock? I don't know. Okay. I've never flown into yeah. that area. I've never flown it's to close Odessa. Enough, just take a damn car. <laughs> I've never wanted to go to Odessa, so I'll tell you that at least. I've never had the opportunity to go out there. But um, so, and then like if you're in AM Kingsville, for instance, you've got you're way down there. You're out in in uh, San Antonio. Yeah, you you're no, not even San Antonio, dude. You're still oh no, because like, Kingsville's over by Houston by Corpus yeah. Christi. Yeah, you'd have to go uh, from the Kingsville Corpus area up to Houston. And then on from there to Seattle and still have another two hour trip. Uh, Angelo is out in, in you know, the big San bend Angelo. area. Yeah. So you'd, you'd have to get to San Antonio or Houston and then it's fly not, from it's there. Not, my brother actually lives in San Angelo. Fun fact. Um, yeah. And so it's not really in the big bend area. It's about, 150 well, north yeah yeah you're not you're you're not wrong it's uh, i was yeah. it's kind of I, I was, west from austin yeah it's it's about it's like i think it's northwest of austin uh it's southwest of dallas about four hours or so so i mean it's it's kind of in no man's land in terms of where you'd go in the state of texas but I mean, yeah, It'd be like, easiest like, probably to go down to San Antonio, but yeah, that's just like you said. Feasible. There's so much travel; it's it's not feasible now, and so you know, and, and unfortunately, Doing it's, it's all not that feasible on top of school. 
because you still yeah. want the kids to succeed in school. That's yeah. setting those kids up for failure, quite frankly. Yeah. So. so no more will we see the Canadian team in the NCAA, the Division II level, if you're a fan of college football uh, below just the FBS level. I think this is kind of a sad day, but unfortunately – it is also a slow day, um, so we're going to talk about some recruiting. That's that's why that led off the show. But yeah. um, so we've got some some pretty big um, 2024 class updates. Uh, the Big Ten with a couple of big moves. Um, you've got three of the top three teams in the Big Ten that are going to be uh, reaping the benefits of uh, some of these big recruits. So you had the, the, uh, the first one we're going to talk about, uh, or well, we, I mean, we already talked a little bit about it on Wednesday with, with uh, wide receiver Mylon Graham committing to Ohio state. We talked about is Ohio state wide receiver. You that was followed up um, the other day by not just a, uh, obviously you got the Jane Davis m- news that came out last week. Uh, that went to he went he's going to Michigan um, and um, so you know the biggest one the 27th ranked recruit for next year's class cam uh, is Quentin Martin and he is going to be heading to Penn State and um, he is uh, listed as an athlete but recruited as a running back and is probably going to be a uh, probably going to be running back depth for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And that you want to talk about a great pickup for Penn State, which already has a very good running back room. Um, that's a huge pickup there. Um, gotta love what James Franklin is doing there as they've continued to try to establish the line of scrimmage a lot more than a lot of other schools in the modern college football world, Um, especially with that spread offense that they more so run like that. That's a huge pickup for a team like a Penn state. Also, you had the news that came out with uh, Alabama getting an offensive lineman for their 2025 class. So we're already starting to talk about not just next oh, year's geez. class, but the year after. Uh, so current junior or current sophomore in high school, I should say Mason short um, is, is going to be heading to Alabama as well. Um, so kind of, kind of a not as much going on on the recruiting side, but definitely wanted to make sure Quentin Martin got mentioned. Um, you know, obviously we know success that, that uh, James Franklin and company have had there in Happy Valley with Nick Singleton and Catron Allen both coming in just this past season, um, and and then uh, you know and both of those running backs combining for nearly 2,000 yards rushing and 20 plus touchdowns. Um, you're talking about the a three-headed monster potentially uh, with if you know they they put if they're able to get Martin in as their kind of, you know, their third back and Singleton and Catron Allen will both be, you know, juniors at that point by the time he gets in as a freshman. 
uh, next season. So, you know, it's, it's going to be very interesting uh, to see what transpires. And obviously, you know, they're going to have a lot of, um, they're going to have a lot of running back depth and they're going to have a lot of guys that are going to be learning from each other. Uh, just the way that Allen and, and, uh, and Singleton did this season. And hopefully their blocking schemes will hold out. Uh, you know, we've talked about that being an issue. God fix that. (laughs) You're not wrong. So, all right, next up on the list for this topic today. Well, Cam, this was something you found. Pro Football Focus released their top 25 head coaches rankings. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, we haven't looked at them, so this is kind of yeah. going to be a this little bit. This is our raw of... reaction. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, BJ so, and I like want... doing stuff like this off camera, so we yeah. thought, the hell, why not? <laughs> yeah, and since it's just the two of us today and, and Tyler, I don't know if he would necessarily want to be participating as much in this. Um, I, I think that you'll be able, we'll be able to do a good list. So, all right. You see it on your screen. If you're listening on Spotify, we will definitely be talking about the rankings. We'll still name them off. Um, So let's see. First one up. First coach is Matt Matt Rule Rule. from Nebraska. Okay. Not a surprising inclusion. Um, I still would have waited a year or two. I, I mean, his track his track record at the college level is good. He he was able oh, to yeah, get no, Temple 100%. and Baylor back and and you know really get them thriving after you know this the the troubles that both have had. You seen how much Temple has fallen off ever since he left, and Baylor. I mean, they they finally got things with Dave Aranda figured out at least for the twenty twenty one season to win the Big Twelve title. But I mean, Matt Rule had them, you know, coasting along as you know potential threat year in year out before he left for the NFL. So I, I think that Matt Rule is okay to be on this list. I'm not. Let's see who else is on it before I start saying people that want to take off. Okay, 24 is Jonathan Smith. Yeah. Oregon might, State has had a, a renaissance ever since he took yeah, over. So I might say that's almost too low. Well, As you think somebody, about this is that they're coming off their first ten win season mm-hmm. since you know he was there as their quarterback. Let's see if this is something he can sustain. Yeah, it's gotten better sustain. year in year year after year, yeah. but can he sustain it? I'm okay with him being there on at that spot for now. I, I think that he's doing a fantastic job. Yeah. I hope to continue to see him rise up the list. Yeah, no, for sure. So this one, Mike Norvell at Florida State. Getting a lot of buzz is uh, the Seminoles this year with good reason. They do bring back so much talent from that squad that won 10 games a year ago. Um, And, you know, I mean, Norvell did the, you know, had a a great uh, record with Memphis before he took Mm -hmm. the job at Florida State, giving him some time to build that up and, it looks like it's paying off. I'm okay with that. Yeah, and I'll be real. This is a this is a hire that a lot of people were questioning to begin with with Norvell at Florida State. Yeah. And so 
I I like that he's on this list because in the couple of years that he's been there, like even his first year, it was a huge difference on the field. Like, yeah, I mean, you're we're not talking about the same team that started zero and four and you know lost to Jacksonville State anymore. This is a much better, much improved Florida State team that really kind of surprised a whole lot of people with their uh, bounce back last year. And and so I'm. I'm, I'm more than happy to have him on the list. So the next one, Dave Clawson at Wake Forest. Clawson has had uh, a lot of success with the Deeks, mm-hmm. uh, more so than probably any coach in, in Wake Forest history, at least going back a while. In recent so, years, the only yeah. other one who I'd say has an argument is probably Jim Grobe. But even then, yeah, a massive fall off. Um, he had like two or three good years, and there was a huge fall off after that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, for Clawson, they haven't won the ACC, but it has not been that they've been, you know, not good enough to do it. They were in the the title game against Kenny Pickett and Pitt in twenty twenty one. You know, they they won what? Um, you know, they that were nearly a, a ten win team last year. What's up? That that game against Pitt was a dogfight. That was one of the toughest battles Pitt had all year, if memory serves. Yeah, it was. I mean, Pitt had some tough games that season, but that was a a, a great offensive battle between Hartman and Pickett, and and kind of a why a lot of us, you know, all, all three of us, in fact, had Wake Forest having some a really good season last year going in preseason because of what they brought back from that team. Mm -hmm. So I'm okay with him being there. 21 on the list, Chip Kelly. Yeah, successful at Oregon. He's finally getting things figured out Mm -hmm. at UCLA as well. Um, I think that, you know, that's kind of the identity that they are wanting to go with is, you know, having a, a mobile quarterback that's a dual threat. And having a really successful running game with when bringing in Zach Charbonnet, and hopefully mm-hmm. they're able to to get somebody, maybe not at Charbonnet's level, but somebody that can you know run in that that offense the way that Chip Kelly wants to. I mean, that's something that Chip Kelly was known for was having those mm-hmm. great running backs while he was at Oregon. So, oh yeah, no, hundred percent. If, if we're going, if we're going all time, Chip Kelly should be higher on this list. If we're just looking at his tenure at UCLA, then I think this is fine. Going off of his tenure at UCLA, I'd say I'd lean towards this as spot on, honestly. Mm. Um, Yeah. Though I definitely do like a lot of the moves that he's made and focusing on building to his scheme rather than do like what he did at the NFL level. And um, try to try to change up his scheme. Yeah, when it was like, uh, do not know just, for that. They just didn't have the mm-hmm. the pieces to run that scheme. So, mm-hmm. so number twenty, one, Willie Fritz. I like I it. Like Willie Fritz, one. biggest college football turnaround from one year to the next mm-hmm. with a ten win improvement. Um, yeah, I, I'm more than happy to have him on this list. Yeah. Um, I'd like to have some more 
G5 coaches on here. Hopefully we'll see more yeah. in the in going forward. But I, I don't know. If Willie Fritz is only at 20, that seems yeah. really low for what he was able to do last year. Yeah. And, and not just that. Another coach who um, is like Chip Kelly, he knows his program is at a disadvantage. And he's built to a scheme. And it's led to more success than just last year in Tulane. Like, yeah, that uh, 21 looks season, right going forward. Yeah, that 21 season, I feel like, anyways, was kind of a little fluky. Yeah. Um, we'll throw around that F word again. <laughs> um, well, as long as you don't mention the no word. Next one up, Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. Yeah, Mike Gundy has been a, a consistent winner year in, year out at Oklahoma State. Last year, they were, you know, a team that um, that started off really well. And you saw what, you know, they were hoping to do to replicate, mm-hmm. you know, their almost playoff run in 2021. And we're talking about a few inches away, Cam, from Oklahoma State being a, a playoff team. Who knows what would happen um uh, you know, if the way if, if Oklahoma State wins that game, does Cincinnati at thirteen or yeah, thirteen to zero miss out? Because I mean, you had Georgia lose to Alabama, so both of those two teams are getting in. Michigan in with that win uh, in the Big Ten title game in twenty twenty one. What would the committee have done? And obviously, I don't want to detract, take away too far, but. Think about it. If Oklahoma State scores that touchdown instead of losing that game, the committee's decision became becomes that much easier. You, you're not going to put Cincinnati in over Notre Dame. No. But you, would you put Oklahoma State in even with one loss over Cincinnati? Knowing the committee, they probably would have favored the P5. Yeah. I feel bad wow. for whoever the hell would have gotten Cincinnati because they would have gotten absolutely. Oh, you, it would have, yeah, you you absolutely would have seen a pissed off team just like you did in 2014 when Ole Miss was the victim of, of TCU in, in the, the Peach Bowl. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of glad at the end of the day that we didn't have to have that argument. But Mike Gundy, you know this mm-hmm. this was a team that was inches away from the playoff in 2021. They started off six and zero before they ran into the team that would end up playing for the national title which still feels surreal for me to say and TCU. And then, you know, they had injury co- concerns the rest of the year, but that shouldn't take away from the fact that they were a top 10 team no, at one point no, last year. He's a consistent winner and belongs on this list. Mm-hmm. If, and like, let's be real. If this would have been a competition for best hair in the coaching game, <laughs> he'd be number one. He would be number one. That damn mullet. <laughs> That damn mullet, man. So, wow. Mark Stoops? Yeah. Mark I Stoops think that's a little next. high. Yeah. That, so I, I don't disagree with him being on this list, by the way. I put him below uh, some of the coaches yeah, that we've already talked say, about. I'd put though. him around 24, 25, though. I mean, he's done fantastic stuff for Kentucky, mm-hmm. and, and especially for Kentucky's expectations as a football team. But they still have yet to win a ten game, ten games in a season. I don't believe, uh, or well, I guess they they actually had two in that span. I, I beg your pardon, but you know, no, obviously it's tough to win the SEC. It's tough to win the the East with Georgia. We're not being expecting there. them to no 
do that, especially but, year in, year out. With Tennessee looking like they're back on the rise, Kentucky is going to be fighting for third or fourth with South Carolina potentially in the mix as well. This is, you know, Mark, Mark Stoops has done a fantastic job, but we're going to be talking about a coach here at this ranking that is no New Year's Six appearances, no conference championship game mm-hmm. appearances over Mike Gundy, Willie Fritz that just were in the title games the last two years for their squads. And, you know, Willie Fritz has a New Year's Six win in mm-hmm. the past year. Mike Gundy was inches away from the playoff. Yeah. He's been one loss away from the playoff twice. Well, I guess you'd say that was the BCS title game in 2011. I mean, yeah. I, I don't – I think he's okay on the list, but where he is on the list yeah. and again, is, is not, disagree. Yeah, and again, not trying to say, oh, this is – crap he shouldn't be on this list no 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 he's done a hell of a job at kentucky kentucky is not an easy place to win at no it's not i mean obviously like you said it's it's a basketball school and it's mm -hmm. tough to recruit football athletes to a basketball school but he has done a great job in changing the image and the brand uh i just don't know if i put him as high on the list as he is yeah and like i said I'd have him probably 24, 25. Like, I don't mm-hmm. disagree with him being on the list. It's not that at all. It's 18. Fuck you, SEC. <laughs> Hopefully it's um, not the SEC bias. I mean, he did start off 5-0 and last year, but we kind of expected that with their schedule. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. So kind of spoiled next one. Uh, that's uh, okay. Jimbo Fisher. We hadn't said um, it yet for those listening, so you didn't spoil anything. Yeah. Shout Jimbo's out won a national championship viewers. in his life. Uh, he's a good coach, and he is one of the best recruiters the game has ever seen. Like, yeah. to recruit at the clip that he has at both AM and Florida State. Um, Florida State has an argument for best program historically speaking in that state it's a tough battle though with the top three i said has an argument like i didn't uh, say they are and well, AM AM is still second rate in the state of texas that is a known fact there's yeah there's no question about that and texas a&m so, has not made a, an sec title appearance in their and, in their tenure they have not been a team that has even I mean, they have, I think, one New Year's Six Bowl since Jimbo got there. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a team, Cam, that has not had a 10-win season since 2012. I mean, and and obviously that setback last year, coming off the best mm-hmm. recruiting class in, in program history, I mean, I'm okay with him being on the list. I'm not trying to take away. Yeah, yeah I, no. I might put he, him a little bit lower too, though. Not, not, yeah. not because he's not earned respect over time. I mean, it's, I, if – with, with with Chip Kelly, where he is, you know, Jimbo Fisher, mm-hmm. kind of in that same pickle. Yeah, I'd probably place him closer to 20th just because we know what he is capable of. Yeah, um, and and I think they'll turn it around this year, but that's that's mm-hmm. projecting yeah. ahead. We'll talk about that yeah. in the summer. I was going to say, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely dive into a and we've, we've got a long five months still ahead before yeah. we get football back on our screens. Because that's one of the more intriguing teams as well. Um, next one up, Chris Kleiman. Okay. That is uh, – that's interesting. Chris Kleiman State has 
Yeah. So at least eight wins in three of his four years since he took over at Kansas State. Um, only losing year was a, a year that a lot of losing was done, uh, both on and off the field in, in 2020. But um, winning the conference championship last year, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with him being this high on the list. I, I was going to say, honestly, I'd have him right about on the cusp of the top 15 as well. Yeah. The, so the job that, that he has done at Kansas State, not an easy place to win, and especially replacing a legend like Bill Snyder. Yeah, absolutely. What that tells me is, is is the college is the program of Kansas State up to that point. Like he's yeah. he had an uphill battle and he's succeeded so far. What that tells me is that Sonny Dykes is probably more than likely a top 10 coach on this list. If I had to guess, I haven't seen the list, so we'll find out I, together yeah. in real time. Yeah, but I know Climber kind of won the conference down there. Outside of that, I, I think we I think we all know number <laughs> yeah. one. I think we yeah. all know who's gonna be number one. There there shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Yeah, there. Gary Anderson, duh. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Until he moves on to his next spot, right? Yeah. Anyways. Number 15, oh. Kalen DeBoer, Washington. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like it. First year coach. With you know, I mean, there well, were a lot first of first year coach at Washington. He was yeah. at Fresno State before that, and very successful. Yeah, at Fresno. yes, yes, yeah. Not not meaning that I meant first year at uh, yeah. the program, um, and and turning around with bringing in Michael Penix, being able to keep him healthy for a full season. We finally saw all the talent that he had, you know, shown promise with in uh, at Indiana and. You know, kind of what we saw from him in 2020 to a certain extent, um, and and why they were uh, a team that you know played tough with Ohio State and nearly got that victory in the horseshoe and ended that long losing streak. Um, I'm I'm more than happy with Kalen DeBoer mm-hmm. being no, on here at 15. I agree. Yeah. yeah, and and not just that, like the way that he is recruiting as well at K State. I mean, not K State. I just read K State on here. Sorry, Washington about that. is above at Washington. K-State. Yeah, at Washington, which is not an easy place to recruit, by the way. Between yeah. being in Seattle, which is very, which a lot of people don't want to go to because it is such a dreary, rainy place. But yeah. then on top of that, it's a top-notch academic program. Um, it's not an easy place to get a 17, 18 year old to be like, hell yeah, I'll come play for your program. Yeah. Seattle's a nice place though. So I'm, I'm hoping that Kalen DeBoer is able to take what the success that they had last year and expound upon it in the mm-hmm. PAC 12, especially going forward or wherever they end up, we're still waiting to see what's going to happen with the PAC 12. They've got, you know, Big a lot of concerns. Big 10, Big 12, Mountain mm-hmm. West, maybe even Cam. You want Utah State and Washington <laughs> go <laughs> together each year? I, I, All kidding aside, all kidding aside, because that's not what we normally do on this show. I still, I still have that over here. So, uh, already. Uh, wave the white flag. <laughs> <laughs> Who's number 14 on the list, Cam? <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. Lance Leipold. Interesting. Oh, that 
Hmm. Okay. I so I like Lance his inclusion. I like him on the list, but you're putting him two spots ahead of a coach that just won the conference title. I know it's tough to rebuild the Jayhawks because of how bad they have been over the past mm -hmm. decade. And the successes that they had last year are not something I am discounting. Mm -hmm. However, By the, way, the coach that's two spots behind him, one head to head. Yeah, and the Wildcats have won head-to-head -head every year since 08 mm -hmm. or 09. Uh, but I believe they're playing in Lawrence this year, so maybe, maybe, maybe. That's something we'll talk about. It's going to at least about. be closer. <laughs> yeah. So I I think that Leipold should be on this list. Mm -hmm. I think that's a little too high, though. I, I'm more than happy to have I... him on the list because of his uh, – his job that he did last year and, and getting his name connected to some bigger jobs as a result of the start that they got off to five and zero, but 14 seems a little too high to me. I agree with you of 100%. Um, yeah, I would have, if I were doing this list, first number that comes into my mind, 22nd, yeah. 22nd. I'm yeah. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, like that's about where I'd have him. That's okay. That's all right. Number 13 is Lane Kiffin. The Lane train, huh? Mm -hmm. And I I agree with this, actually. I know I'd two, probably two, have him closer to 15th, though. Two seasons ago, they were a 10-win team for the first time in uh, school history. Obviously, his, his track record at FAU, he was linked to the Auburn job. I, I'm obviously I'm not saying he shouldn't be on this list, and I think that this is about right. I think he's closer to the top 10 than top 15, if I'm being honest, especially with having to compete with Nick Saban and the in the, the toughest I, division in football outside of maybe the top three of the Big Ten East. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with him yeah. being 13. Yeah, and I will say this as well. I've I've been critical of Lane Kiffin at times. Um, so maybe that has something to do with why I'd place him closer to 15th. But no, yeah, like, how could that happen? Us showing personal biases? No, never. <laughs> that doesn't happen on this show. What are you talking about? Yeah. Anyways, um, overall though, I I don't have too many gripes with this. Like, like I said, mine's probably just more so personal bias than anything else. Yeah. So, I, I, anything I don't else have you want to add though? No, I, I don't have a problem with it. Ten and ten wins, eight wins the last two years. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, got to a New Year's Six bowl game would have been uh, a winner had had Matt Corral not gone down in that game. I don't have a problem with him there. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem with with this guy here either. Honestly, uh, by like, the way, if, if you're if you can't see it, if you're listening, it's it's sunny. It's Dykes, sunny. Dykes. Number twelve. Yeah, like I know that you were mentioning. Okay, he's probably going to be a top ten coach earlier. I was like, uh. I'd probably have him just outside still just because I I want to see a little bit more at TCU. He oh, was, I, I agree. He I mean, wasn't that... at he wasn't at SMU that long. 
Uh, well, let's see. It was, I think it was four or five years, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Was that long? Yeah, it was because it was, <laughs> it was, it was 21, 20, 19, and 18 for sure. I thought maybe seven, four or five seasons though, for sure. I mean, let me look. Okay. And then, like, and then, like, for instance, his time at Cal kind of underwhelming his time at Louisiana Tech. Very I mean, consistent. So Louisiana Tech was his first gig. I'm not mm-hmm. going to necessarily hold that against him. Uh, so he he coached uh, the bowl game in 2017 for SMU. That's right. But he, okay, his first full yeah. season was 2018. So he was there for four years. Okay. You were correct. Thank you for that. I thought so. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, how time flies by more than anything else. So, and so here's the thing. So, 13, 13 and two last year, undefeated uh, conference record in the regular season. Uh, 13 wins is um, too shy of what he had his first two seasons at SMU when he was five and seven, and then they went 10 and three in 2019, um, mm-hmm. where they got off to that really good start. Yeah. Yeah, no. And Cal obviously was his worst, a- worst start with, with a 19 and 30 record, but. Um, I mean, he's he's had success everywhere, but Cal, and I think that that's because, you know, he's not that more so West East to Cal. <laughs> he's not West Coast though. Like, I mean, he's he's a Texas guy. He can have success with you know the the mid Midwest. Basically, when when he was at Louisiana Tech, they went they had seventeen wins his last two seasons mm-hmm. there before he turned that into the the Cal job. And then obviously yeah. he started to turn SMU around before he turned that into the TCU job and what he was able yeah. to do last year. I, I remember that because uh, Louisiana Tech almost won the um, almost won the final year of the whack of the original whack. Yeah, almost. they 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 uh, they did win the next to last year in 2011. Uh, mm-hmm. They were nine and three in 2012. Mm-hmm. Go Aggies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who's number 11, Cam? Number 11, Josh Heupel at Tennessee. Okay. All right. Let's not overreact. I this, is, have, this, is, this is a good offense. This is a I'd very, have him top very, 20. He's definitely top 20, maybe top 15, but 11. Never mind top 10. I disagree I, with though. Yeah, I, I get I get the the eleven wins best record that they've had since probably you know two thousand one mm-hmm. best record in in Tyler's lifetime at least he's not here to to say differently. Uh, but I think he's building something good. But he also mm-hmm. had you know for the a quarterback first time that, in years. I'm freaking excited to watch Tennessee play. That's something. Yeah, and, and I think. Tennessee fans are excited to watch themselves play as well now. You know, they have it in their heads, even if it's probably not true, that they're going to be back up there and, and able to compete with Alabama and Georgia again this year. I might, I think they'll be all right. I want to see them win in the swamp first because that's not something that they have done in quite a long time, Cam. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm going to look this up, but do you have a guess yeah. as to the last time Tennessee won in the swamp? I think they won one year kind of flukily. Um, I'm going to guess it's like 20, 
2013-2014. I'll go 2013 okay. final answer. You'll, you'll go 2013? Jim McElwain era. Uh, no, era. so they didn't win in 2013. The Hail Mary, they nearly won in 2015, but the uh, the Greer pass that to the end zone like uh, at the end of the game won the game for Florida. 2017, oh, yeah, they lost 26-20. Rocky they lost 38-14 last time in, in Gainesville. They lost 34-3 in 2019. You got to go back to win. Let's see. That's not it. That's not it. We're getting into the Tim Tebow days now, Cam. Still hasn't seen anything. Still haven't seen anything. Cam, you have to go all the way back to 2003, the last time they won in Gainesville. If they win this year, it'll be the first time in 20 years that they will have won on the road against Florida. We Obviously, Florida eight. has been really good, and you know Tennessee is not in that span, but this feels like your time to strike. If you can't go in and win the Swamp this season, I'd pump yeah. the brakes on, on Josh Heupel. I, I think that this is... You know, I think he's got something good, but obviously his mm -hmm. offense is very driven on getting mismatches, getting confusion defensively. And if you're if you play solid, you know, defense that has solid depth at you know at, in the secondary, Tennessee's gonna struggle. And so I think that he's uh, I think way, he's okay I to be on this list, but that's a little but what's up? I apologize for dating us a little bit there by saying we were eight, but I mean, well, just, Tyler, Tyler was two. So yeah, just to put into perspective how long it's been. Yeah. So it's all good. I, I, I think he's more than deserving being on mm -hmm. this list. He should be on the list. And, but quite 11, frankly, seems I would have a been little frustrated if he wasn't, but 11, yeah. 11 is a little too high for me. Mm -hmm. well, they're into the top 10, and I don't James have a problem with Franklin. that. Yeah. yeah, I'd have him there. What What has Penn State done, you know, since he got mm -hmm. there? Oh, just, you know, win a Besides Big Ten title in 2016, be, mm -hmm. be a 10-win team through consistently while Almost he's been there. The playoffs. Yeah. They've beaten both Michigan and Ohio State since he's gotten there. Now, I think they've only beaten Ohio State once, but that's successful as good as Ohio State has been the past few years. Um, went and won the Rose Bowl last year. They won the, the Cotton Bowl in 2019. Um, they, you know, he, he had success at Vanderbilt. I'm more than happy with James Franklin being a top 10 coach. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. At all. Oh, my, no, I agree book. completely. Like, I think he should have been a top 10 coach. Like, if you look at his career, what he has accomplished. Yeah. Very successful career. And anytime you can coach um, Vanderbilt to to um, finish finishing the season off ranked, very successful coach. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's saying something, so... Number nine, okay. Luke, Luke Fickle. Fickle. Okay. So, you know, at least nine wins the last five years as Cincinnati's head coach. They went to the playoff in 2021. I I think that this might be a little bit of recency bias. I don't have a problem with him being on this list. Um, 
but let's so like I said, I wanted more G5 coaches on here. This is a G5 coach. This has been one of the best G5 coaches that we've seen over the I, past few years. I think he is a top 10 coach. I think he's right on that edge. I, I would put him around 10 or 11, would, kind of where Hypel is right now. I would lean towards putting him in. Let, let's let's see who else is on the top 10, and I'll tell you if, if, I, would, if, if, if I would move somebody like fickle out for somebody else. Like I, I want to see kind of what mm-hmm. is the rest of the top 10 Franklin more than deserving. Mm-hmm. But I think Franklin is ahead of fickle. If I'm being honest, I, like, I, I want to see what fickle's, flipped those two, but I want to see what, I want to see what fickle is going to do at Wisconsin at a big school, because we're talking about a coach that his one season that he was the coach of Ohio state, they were seven and six. I think that that was more, of an aberration than the I expectation, but was, I, I, I think that was just an off year, like more than anything else. Ohio state had a lot of players who would have come back leave due to the sanctions and everything else. Yeah. Like, I think it was just a fluke that year. Yeah. All and right. Who's eight. Days. Kyle, Kyle Whittingham. Whittingham. That's a, yep. I, that's mm-hmm. not not. I'm not going to disagree with that. Like you said, I mean, you know, he's been there. Mm-hmm. You know, consistent winner, not just the, at the, the Mountain West level, but the Pac-12. Winner. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were. I mean, you know, just almost national champions back when he was in the Mountain West. Uh, you know, maybe this. The only thing that he has yet to do, and the Pac-12 has not done since, uh, gosh, you have to go all the way back to Washington in 2016, I think, was the last time that a Pac-12 school, yeah, twice because Oregon, uh, Mm -hmm. 2014, the first year. But Pac-12 has had, you know, two appearances in in the playoff. We, We thought Utah might be positioned to do that this year. What we didn't expect was that USC was going to be you know, more consistency from their defense probably kept them out of it. You have Washington that was probably a mm-hmm. Arizona State road trip coming out of there with a wind away from having a shot at it. Uh, yeah. But I don't, I don't have a problem if, with, with Kyle Whittingham on this mm-hmm. list at eight. Yeah. He, he should be in the top ten, quite frankly. You don't win a hundred. I just looked it up. 154 games by mistake. <laughs> no. So, so, I mean, he, he's been, he, what, he's been there since 05, right? Mm-hmm. So you're talking about, you know, not quite 10 wins a year, but still pretty good track record. Your nine wins yeah. somewhere in that area, which yeah. at a program like a Utah is what you'd ask for. Yeah. So. so let's so let's think about who we're missing. We've got seven coaches to the top. We're gonna see Nick Saban. We're gonna see Kirby. We're going to see Harbaugh. We're gonna see Ryan Day. Who else are we missing though? Are we we gonna see Lincoln Riley? He's in there, I'm sure. I'm sure he is. Dabo's probably Dabo. Yeah. So who are, who else are we missing? Not Urban Meyer. It's not a special teams coordinator. Yeah, so Ryan Day is at seven. That Ryan seems Day. a little low. Yeah, I 
I know that they I know they got to the national championship in twenty twenty, but they've had some some losses to Clemson yeah, I, and to, to Georgia. I I think those losses are a bit overinflated in my mind. Yeah. I and I don't him. I don't think that that losing two in a row to mm-hmm. Michigan puts Harbaugh ahead of him. I think Harbaugh has had a really good you know run here the last two years, but we're talking about a coach in Harbaugh, you know, he's consistently flirting with the NFL. He is someone that what that a lot of Michigan fans wanted fired. In the 2020 COVID season, now you know they'll they'll eat their just their a few words. Years ago. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. just see how much things can change in a short amount of time. I don't think that Jim Harbaugh is ahead I, of Ryan Day, though. I actually agree with you. Like I well, say the same thing. Um, I I think Ryan Day is a little low. Um, I I agree. I, I think he's I think he's really low. My top five. I think he's really really low. He's a top five coach to me as well. Dabo six, maybe? No, nope. Brian Kelly? Okay. I they had one good season at LSU and they and now and I mean he's the his next time at Notre Dame was great. If you go back before that, Central Michigan. Well what he Cincinnati. did in the D two level at I mean, uh, Grand Valley. Well, well so Kelly is a phenomenal coach, yes. He is somebody he is Cam what? He is a dick. I didn't say that. I know. I'm just, I I'm the one who said that, but well, he okay, is. as long as you own it. So I mean he's had success, but in terms of do I think he's gonna be ahead of Ryan Day, who's played for a national championship? I mean no, I, I think Ke- I think Kelly's a top ten coach, but like I said, I mean, I thinking Ryan Day and I would Franklin say, probably ahead of Kelly. I would say Ryan Day is ahead of Kelly. Um, yeah, but I'd still have him on the precipice of the top five personally. I mean, I I, I think we're splitting hairs. I I think that he's close but i i wouldn't put him that yeah. high who's five six oh one half a dozen to the other yeah six one way oh i think this is lincoln riley lincoln riley <laughs> yeah that's all right lincoln riley with with four heisman trophy winning quarterbacks or well three mm-hmm. of them i guess because jalen hurts didn't but not like he was not a he was not a bad or, quarterback yeah he finished second um you know this he has had some really good quarterback runs here the past few years and while he's been a quarter while he's been a head coach. I don't have a problem with that. I, I think that the thing that's holding him back for me, at least I know he's a top 10 coach. I think he'd be a top five coach if he put at least a little bit more into his defensive philosophy. If he could get figured that figured out as opposed to relying on Alex Grinch and, and, you know, having some troubles like they've had the past few years while he was at Oklahoma, now at USC, Blitz defensively, like he he would be a national championship winning coach by now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I 100% agree. I, I think if he will, as opposed to just trying to keep the guys that he's familiar with and comfortable with, 
if he wants to take that next step and be at that next level as a head coach, got to fix the defense. And I just don't think that Alex Grinch is the guy that is going to get him to that next level. Yeah, no, and I agree so, with that as well. I think he's yeah, a little bit too high on the list, four. but Dabo's at four is not bad. I, I don't have a problem with that. But I again, you know, I, I know we're talking about we're talking about the top three in, in whatever order. I'm I'm gonna say this order, and I don't know if it's gonna be right or not, but we're talking about Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Jim Harbaugh. I don't know if I put Harbaugh at three. I really don't. I think Harbaugh's a top five coach, but that's probably the order I personally would have him in as well. Yeah. Um, I put Dabo ahead of Harbaugh because yeah, Dabo has won too. two national championships. I'd say I'd say Dabo's third best yes. coach in the country. Like you can say what yeah. you want about him. Like we've been critical of heart of Sweeney at times. Yeah. But he's I am a coach. Family. Family, yeah. yeah. Like but he, he's a he's a fantastic coach. He hell of a coach. If if, if if he would just kind of you know realize that the transfer portal is not a foe, it can be a friend to you. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be I think he'd be back up there and, and you know having an, a chance for another national championship All, here in the also, next few years. Also bringing in Garrett Riley as yeah, the OC. I'm excited Huge to see what the offense looks like. Forward. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the offense looks Step like. Forward. So let's let's see the top three. Let's let's go ahead and yeah, Harbaugh at three, not surprising. Not let's surprising. see. It's it. I would imagine that's Kirby at two. Yep, Kirby at two, and and Nick Saban, of course, is the number one coach. So that's all hail the Lord and Savior Nick Saban. <laughs> I I would have been worried if he wasn't. Yeah, I mean, one. so. The way that Kirby's going, the way his trajectory is rising, you can make an argument, but the the still the cream of the crop is Alabama. Year in, year out, there's a reason why mm-hmm. teams still rush the field when Alabama goes down on the road. You know, I mean, I'm sure that at some point if Georgia loses a game on the road, they're going to have the, the field stormed. I mean, they're, oh, they're yeah, no, that 100%. Point. So, but yeah, I don't have a problem with this list. I mean, I'm so. I mean, I, I when I say that, I mean the top ish five. With with day being so low, that that kind of uh, you know is is criminal in my opinion. Luke Fickle is a little too high. Let's let's go back down and and just kind of give final thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Harbaugh is, is ahead oh. of a couple of coaches that I put him behind, but I know he's he's close to being top yeah. five. Honestly, I will say. More or less, this is the top 25 coaches in the country that come to my mind. Yeah, and and the the order, I guess, it can be a little bit more subjective, Mm -hmm. but, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't have a problem. I haven't – I don't. there was not a problem that I think – Heupel is a little too high. Fickle's a little too – Heupel, Fickle are a little too high. Franklin is – you know, Franklin could be higher. Uh, Dykes could be a little bit higher. I think it's just because of how few seasons he's had. Riley, Riley could be a little bit lower. I don't, you know, I mean, three Heisman Trophy winners is, Dabo is not something to Yeah, Dabo should absolutely be three. Mm-hmm. Leipold it's, is a little too high compared to Kleiman. too high. 
But he's uh, on there. Fisher might be at the same time. I can understand why he'd be 17th. I put Stoops a little bit below Gundy, yeah. Fritz, and, and is, Kelly. Yeah, Stoops is definitely a little high on the list. Um, I didn't Bell know. Be on there, I, didn't, I didn't think Clausen would make the list. And so I. Yeah, I I'm, I'm a little bit surprised by that, too. Uh, I, I personally love that he's on the list because I do think he's one of the top 25 best coaches in the country. We're m- missing Dave Doran. I think Doran probably over Clawson, maybe. That, just a that, yeah. But, um, I mean, Clawson has played for the the um, ACC championship at I least here I, in the past two years. Yeah. I think I might put Dave Doran on the list instead of Matt Rule at 25. Personally, well, maybe a little Matt, bit. Matt, Rule, Matt, Matt Rule's played for conference championship. He won one with Temple. Played for one with with Baylor. Um, it's not slight, but I just want to see it. Yeah, personally. I. So I, I, I think we've got a pretty good list here. In all yeah, honesty, like overall, like not even then, I completely see why Matt Rule is on the list. Like, there's a reason why I'm not like. I, I've got a pitch. There's a reason why there's not a pitchfork over here or something. Like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that we just have you know a couple different, you know maybe a, just a couple of different you know coaches that you can make an argument for. But mm-hmm. I, ultimately, this is not a bad list. We can we can disagree on I've some seen, of the order. We've seen. I have seen way worse. <laughs> yeah, we we've so. definitely seen worse. So. Well, all right, that's a good one, Cam. How about this for our final topic? And thought we I didn't think we were gonna go that long with that top twenty-five list, in all honesty. Otherwise, Maybe I wouldn't you have... and I to go a little more in depth. That's all right. So I, I've just I'll have to save a couple of these others for next time around. But Cam, want to ask you, what do you think of you know, we're 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 Easter Sunday. I decided let's hunt for some blue bloods of the sport of college football. And so what's the classification? What's the qualification for you? What do you think of like as the qualifications to be a college football blue blood? I'd say since it's college football, I would say a program that has been successful over a large number of years, like, beyond mm-hmm. just the dynasty type, or you've seen them mm-hmm. be successful at multiple times throughout the history of college football. Yeah. So like, for instance, even though they did have a few rough years there in between the Stallings years and, and um, Saban. Nick Saban, Alabama is a hundred percent of blue blood. Yeah. I don't think anybody is debating uh, Alabama, Michigan, I mean, Michigan, Michigan for sure. I would say Ohio that. State Ohio is a blue blood. Hundred percent. Do you do you um, look at like all time wins as a classification? Do you look th- at championships that, as a classification? I think both of those could help, but that doesn't inherently make them a blue blood. Because, okay. like for instance, this might be a little bit of a hot take. Okay, I'd say. I'd say Notre Dame has kind of lost the luster of a blue blood type of program. Like they're 
It's really close, though. I I can think of a couple other teams that you can mention as a I blue mean, blood A&M, that have lost. Yeah. I, well, no, I'm, I don't Texas. So, I can think of a couple other teams ahead of like an A and M that is more of a blue blood. Texas, I think, is still blue blood in the sport, even though it's been you know ten years, thirteen years since they were in last in in a you know a title game, and they haven't p- competed for a conference championship Sorry, in five blue years. Don't lose to Kansas. <laughs> well, you're you're not wrong there, but. This is basketball. Well, where they are out so, in the blood. So, how many do you? How many are in the sport now? If if you had a name, like to you, what is your like? These are these the blue bloods in the sport. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Do you like what? How many teams do you have, and what are they? Uh, I'd say probably about five or six. Five or six? Yeah. All right. I'm well, a tough. I, you yeah. know, I'm a jerk. So I, 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 okay. Let's let's hear them. I mean, I probably won't have any issues. The five or six so, that you have is blue bloods. Yeah. So, so of course, Alabama. let's get but let's get the obvious ones out of the way. Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Ohio Michigan. State. Um. After that little bit of a back and forth, you know, Notre Dame right there. Um, yeah, iconic. They they have to be. I'd, I'd say Oklahoma is probably yes. more of a blue blood, especially right now, than Texas. I, I make the argument yeah. both are. I'll make the argument for both. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't I really care for argument. either one of them. I'm not a fan mm-hmm. of them, but they're both blue bloods to me. Mm-hmm. Not literally, but burn both those universities. Um, <laughs> not literally. Okay. okay. So, so, all right. So that's what four, five. You have one other, or is that it? Uh, that's kind of West, all that West Coast. Anybody on I mean, the ACC? USC's kind of lost the luster. Florida State. Florida's always been extremely inconsistent as far as a program goes. I, 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 I'll give you that. I don't consider Florida blue blood. Well, so here, let's. Miami's I, definitely not. No, Miami, Miami has not been relevant since the, the championship era. And even then, that. You know, there mm-hmm. that wasn't enough of a generation. Like you can tell mm-hmm. the story of college football, you can't tell it without talking about Miami. But after that chapter, mm-hmm. you you have to skip to the glossary to see if they appeared in the rest of the book, and you just yeah. missed them. So here, you, I've got. You this, know what? I, USC will be my sixth one. I'll say right. USC is my sixth one. After. So let's let's look at this graphic of the top twenty-five teams. All time in terms of wins here. This is courtesy of Winsipedia. You got Michigan, you Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame are the top four. You two both, you know, you have all four as blue bloods. Texas is just barely ahead of Oklahoma. You consider Oklahoma more of a blue blood than Texas. Penn State not up there though, Cam. They're right there. 
All right. I Ten- Tennessee is is not for you. LSU, no, Auburn, Tennessee's Clemson. Not. LSU, again, they're a lot more inconsistent of a program than you realize. Um, they'll they'll have years of success. They'll have years of fall, fall. Yeah. Like, even look at the Ed Ogeron era yeah. at, at LSU. I think that's a good example of what LSU has been historically. A solid program occasionally a flash in the pan type of a year. The yeah. one year with Lane Kiffin. I mean not Lane Kiffin. Less Miles. Yeah. The one year with Less Miles. The one year with well, Ed Ogeron. I don't think it was just one year with LSU though. I mean they won the one title with, with Less Miles, but they competed for another. They have you know SEC championships with him as head coach. I make the argument that they could be, but I, to me at least, Cam, I don't consider them. So yeah, all right. This here's here's the reason I ask what is a blue blood is because I'm I've got a graphic. I told you before the show I made a rudimentary graphic, and it didn't turn out. No, TCU is not a. No, so so I made this. I made this. This is my work. It's, it's not as bad as I thought looking at it on the big screen. But you've got Team A, less wins all time than Team B. Nice it's funny they have this since 2000 for uh, Team B. Yeah, 169, 120 versus 235 and 70 for Team A. They both have the same number of championships since the 80s began. But only one of these teams is considered a blue blood cam, and it's not Team A. Can you guess either one of these teams and which of these two would you consider to be more of a blue blood, in your opinion at least? Is B Notre Dame? No, B is not Notre Dame. Okay. Oh no, that's way too high of a win total. Um I don't know the teams off the top of my head though. Well, I can give you the graphic. We can we can reveal the answer if you'd like, Cam. You you don't want to give any you sure. don't want to give either one of these a guess though? Um just throw out team, a wild guess for team A and team B. Because team A has three hundred has eight hundred and sixty-eight wins all time compared to team mm-hmm. B's nine hundred twelve. They both have the same number of national championships since nineteen eighty with three. Team A is two hundred thirty-five to seven, or two hundred thirty-five and seventy. That's two hundred thirty-five wins to seventy losses since the two thousands began. While Team B is one hundred sixty-nine wins compared to one hundred twenty nice. losses since the seat since two thousand. So, give a guess. One of them is Ohio State. Okay. I don't know the other one, though. Well, the team that is, you were probably guessing is Ohio State, is Team B, and that is not the case. All right, roll it. Team A is Georgia, and Team B is Nebraska. Nebraska is considered more of a blue blood than Georgia is, however. But if you look back at this graphic here, all time, 
Nebraska's eighth in wins. Georgia's nine. Obviously, there yeah, is a, I, a bigger I, I, gap in in the all-time win totals. But, I mean, they've got the same number of championships. Nebraska, everybody says they haven't been relevant since the 90s. You're not wrong. The record shows it. They had uh, those three mm-hmm. national championships in, in the 90s. Why is it? Why is Georgia not considered a blue blood with their last couple of seasons? I I would make the argument. In fact, I mean, for me, Cam, at least personally, I cut off right at 14. I don't go any lower. So I I, I wish it was a better number, like the the top 15 programs all time are blue bloods. That's not the case for me. WVU is definitely not. WVU is the cutoff. I, I consider Clemson with their their run of success and the national championships here. They've got an argument. Auburn, mm-hmm. I mean, they have the national championship with Cam in 2010, but you have to go back quite a ways before you find their their last one before that. They are more of a regional blue blood, you know, in, mm-hmm. in Alabama's shadow, of course. LSU, you can make an argument for, but I, 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 I think mm-hmm. you're talking about USC – Clemson, I think, has an argument. Of of those two teams, by the way, I would say Georgia is the closer of the two to being a blue blood. As it stands right now, right this second, Mm -hmm. even with the back-to-back national championships, I'm not going to say they're a blue blood. They're definitely right there on the cusp of being considered a blue blood with their recent success. And then even going back to the Mark Rick days, like well, we and it's not just that. I mean, like you said, yeah, we we talked about the success that you had with Mark mm-hmm. Rick and 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 since two thousand everything. So this is definitely definitely relevant in terms of more so now for Georgia than Nebraska is. But I again, Nebraska is the only one that's talked about as a blue blood just because of mm-hmm. that run in the nineties. Yeah. You got you got the. Two- and they've got two championships in the 70s. That's that's fine. But if you look from the last 40 years as opposed to 50, then you, you've got more of an argument for Georgia being relevant than Nebraska. So Yeah, no, 100%. I agree with that. And then if you go to the 20 years, even yeah. more of an argument for Georgia over in Nebraska. Um, so I, that being I take, said, Nebraska is still a great program. Historically yeah. speaking, you could not tell yeah. the – is there a program that's going to get mentioned in the history of college football? Same with Georgia. Yeah. I still don't say either one is a blue blood as of today. They are definitely. So if Nebraska rebuilds, definitely will be. And Georgia is right there. If they have one, two more seasons with the same amount of success as what they've had under Kirby Smart, you'd be a dumbass not to say that they are, quite frankly. Um, I wanted to find a stat that I found the other day, and if I can find that real quick, I will uh, let you know. But um, the, the whole reason that this came up was that we were in one of the group chats that we're a part of talking about the sport and talking about blue bloods. And I I think that Georgia has a better argument than Nebraska. And I mean, I you know, so you're talking about a Nebraska team cam. You go back to 
2019. They have won 15 games since 2019. Georgia last year won 15 games the se- in their one season. Yeah, they were 15 to no, which is the same that Nebraska had mm-hmm. since 2019. You know, they have not won 10 games in a decade, 2012. They haven't won nine games in a season yeah. since 2016. Um, you know, what you're talking about with, with Georgia doing something that just doesn't happen. I mean, you see back-to-back national championships in college football about once every decade. So mm-hmm. Alabama certainly talked about as the team of the 2010s. USC was up there as as one of the teams of the 2000s because they won the back-to-back. Say, the 2000s had a few few teams. Yeah, there. and Nebraska was the team of the 90s with three national championships in that span. So I don't think you can say that Georgia is not a blue blood. I I think that, you know, you look at what they have done. uh, At the same time, as a blue blood, you have to consider history. Oh, I I agree. I, I agree. And like going back before 80, they were yeah. a good, solid program. Yeah. And so in, after in, in the that... championship in '80, they fell off for a few years until Mark yeah. Rick came in. So before due before that, Mark, due to that, that's the biggest reason why I am kind of a bit reserve. I'm holding reserve, though they are definitely there on the precipice. Like they are. I. I... I, they are I, probably I can, they're the closest team to being in the blue blood. I, I can appreciate that. I just think that more people are willing to give Nebraska a pass despite certainly losing their luster in the past 20 years, 25 years closer to um, than, than they are willing to say that Georgia is. I, I'm not sticking up for Georgia or anything like that. I mean, 65-7 like, to I, seven, 65 to 7 doesn't mean I have to give them mm-hmm. anything ever again because of mm-hmm. what they did to my team. Stop but it, you, stop it. They're dead already. But, I mean, you talk about before they got Herschel Walker, Cam, this was a team in the 70s that won nine or more games four times in that span. Certainly not as many as we've seen here in the yeah, last five they, years with, with Like Kirby I said, they were, they were always a good, consistent program. Like Yeah. But I mean, just they, they because had, you're good, consistent, does not make you a blue blood. Yeah, they they before the Herschel Walker, before Herschel Walker came to campus, they had one national championship. They've won three since 1980. You know, back in the early days of college football, if you go back over this the last century, the start of the 1920s, um, before the 70s, they had eight or more wins, which is used to be like you know with the with with ties being a thing. Uh, we can ask Jared more about that. Uh, oh, when God. ties were still a thing, eight wins was was a really good season. Twelve hour. Uh, no, that that's a that's a marathon session if you need to. But um, you go back over the last century when when eight wins was the like the high water mark. Essentially, mm-hmm. if you had a really good season, they had eight or more wins twelve times before the seventies. I mean, so they had those. You know, certainly had mm-hmm. some some down years in that like, span before I, the seventies. But even if in the past fifty moved- years. Even if you remove the 
recent success, I will say this. I think they're a lot closer than their rivals to the south. They're in Gainesville. Oh yeah, I mean, you look at look at this all time. Florida's twentieth. They're mm-hmm. behind Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's not considered a blue blood. Washington is no. not. I mean, they are probably closer. Virginia Tech's ahead of them. They're not. Texas A and M is not. Virginia Tech definitely is not. <laughs> West Virginia is up there, and and you without a national championship. Although 2007 called, they want their opportunity back. I think the cutoff is at the 15 level. I don't think anybody below that Pitt has, has even an that argument. Chat, by the way, what's up? Pitt did enter that chat, by the way. Oh yeah, they, <laughs> 13 to nine. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, well, we we just lost any West Virginia fans that might have been watching. But you're welcome, Sean. I know you watch our show. RJ. RJ. <laughs> um, no, so so I think the cutoff is. No, no lower than fifteen. I'm, I'm not going to include West Virginia. Clemson has been more relevant over the past decade, but that is not something that they have had success before that. Really, before Dabo came in, Auburn has always lived in the shadow of Alabama. I don't think you can really classify them as such, even though they've won some national championships. LSU's got two that. since the two. Uh, LSU's got three, I think, since the 2000s uh, began, but they're not really considered that because before. Miles got there before you know the two thousands. They yeah, just like Georgia. They were a slightly that, better version of Florida, not quite to Georgia. Though. Yeah, T- Tennessee has you know historically been great, but I mean until last year they had a, a twenty year span. If that's going to knock Nebraska, in my opinion, that's going to knock Tennessee. So no, I think I hundred right, percent agree. I, Tennessee and Nebraska. I'm sorry to both of y'all, like, no, y'all ain't blue bloods. <laughs> so I, I think really if we're looking at it just from the wins perspective all time, you can you could cut off at after the top seven. I mean, there's obviously an argument for Nebraska, obviously an argument for Georgia, Tennessee, USC even has an argument. Uh, not saying that LSU, Auburn, or Clemson don't either, but those become a little bit more sketchy. So we're, we're talking about – you know, teams with, you know, 850 more or more wins all time. And we're, we're splitting hairs, but I thought that'd be fun exercise to kind of talk about who are like the blue bloods of the sport. And it certainly, I think was a pretty good conversation. Cam. we, we, yeah, no, like it definitely led to a great conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you, you realize I am, definitely a very harsh critic yeah yeah you're a lot harsher than 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 i am i I thought that i was going to be the more harsh one so um yes utah state is on the precipice of becoming a blue blood (laughs) by the way fun fact tcu is now up into the top 40 all time in terms of wins if you didn't and know yes, that. Yes, so. I am clearly being a smartass. Yeah, so. I know. I know you are. If you think I'm being serious. Utah State looking pretty good to pass uh, UMass and, and uh, Hawaii here this year, though. Get up into that top 75 all time. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, with, with all that being said, want to thank you so much for watching. Obviously, being Easter Sunday, uh, don't forget about what that day means if you are of religious faith and, and celebrate accordingly. Um, you know, if, if you're not, then 
that's okay. At least you you had a, an opportunity to, to have a day off on, on Friday. <laughs> or brisket, whatever you might be eating. But mm-hmm. um, we want to thank you so much for watching, as always, on here so every Sunday, Loudmouth CFB. We've been doing a lot of good stuff. We you know, try to get the clips more active and, and more out there. I know Cam has got one, I think, ready for later on today. With yeah. the uh, Dallas Mavericks, Sorry, that I, I, I've been, that I, yeah, I've been adjusting to a new schedule at work. Yeah, no, we're, so I, so we're we're just trying to be more and more consistent. I think that that's what, at the end of the day, everybody's striving for. But uh, don't forget to check us out on the social medias. You can find us Facebook Loudmouth Sports, Twitter Loudmouth Sports in, and on. Instagram, Loudmouth Sports Network as well. Check TikToks. Check us out on TikTok. Yeah. Tyler's got a a secondary YouTube channel. It's Tyler Isley Ellison that you can find some more content from him. Loudmouth Weekly tomorrow is going to be our NBA playoff preview. I just want to give a shout out to the Arizona Athletics TikTok. For, uh, Stop for losing to Princeton and then deciding let's shut this down. You said you weren't going to mention that again. Oh, I had to get that shot in. No, I, you're good, I, man. I've been too positive about that school of late. I had to get that little loudmouth weekly tomorrow. It's going to be our NBA playoff preview. The teams are set. We're going to know the order, who's going to be playing in the play-in tournament out of the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. That will be determined later on this afternoon. Um, we'll, we'll be talking about all that. NHL, final season, final week of the season, You know, President's Cup, will the Bruins be able to do the unthinkable and break the wins record? We'll find that out this week. And who's going to come out on top of the Central? Baseball's been going well, but... Lama CP back on Wednesday with the full cast and crew. Tyler will be back and he'll have a lot to uh, showcase on his vlog from his weekend in Bristol this weekend. So on to Bristol. On to Bristol. And we thank you so much for watching. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. If you're on Spotify, check us out on YouTube and same goes so be that sure you to can... rate us if you're on Spotify and you've listened to it yes, one episode. Absolutely. So with all that being said. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great Easter weekend and enjoy your time with family or whatever you may be doing. Celebrate the holiday. Thanks for watching. Go Princeton Tigers. (laughs) You said you were going to stop with that.